This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is not your century. This is not your century, where we celebrate the news and the news media of centuries gone by. I'm King Kaufman. October 11th, 1906. The San Francisco Board of Education issues an order that all students of Asian heritage must attend one school, the Oriental School at Powell and Clay. Chinese students are already segregated there, so the order effectively means that Japanese students from all over the city have to switch to the Oriental School. It's a victory for the Asiatic Exclusion League, formed the year before. It was the first organized effort to stop Japanese immigration to the United States. The anti-Japanese movement had adopted the tactics of the anti-Chinese immigration movement of the 19th century. That had been a racist response to an influx of Chinese labor during and after the gold rush. White workers, many of them immigrants themselves from Europe, painted the Chinese as godless, immoral, and dirty. It worked. The Chinese Exclusion Act was passed by Congress in 1882. And that created a market for Japanese labor. San Francisco was a major seaport and the California economy was growing, so the process repeated itself. San Francisco's anti-Japanese move was a problem for President Theodore Roosevelt, who didn't entirely disagree with the idea of immigration limits for Japanese working men. Progressive labor groups were, after all, a big part of his support, and they saw the Japanese as taking away their jobs. The anti-Japanese movement, like the anti-Chinese movement before it, had a friend in the San Francisco Chronicle. A typical Chronicle editorial of the period read, We cannot suppress a certain feeling of astonishment at the arrogance of the Japanese in their loud complaints over the fact that in the West their presence is unwelcome. Roosevelt was caught between these people and Japan, which had become a world power in the wake of its military victory over Russia in 1905. Roosevelt had mediated the negotiations that ended the Russo-Japanese War, and he didn't want to jeopardize the United States-Japan relationship. The Japanese government objected to the school discrimination policy, so later in October, Roosevelt dispatched his Secretary of Commerce and Labor, Victor Metcalf, to San Francisco. He went to meet with the governor, the mayor, the school board, and the Japanese consul. Sending a cabinet member was a signal of how seriously Roosevelt took the issue, and how the president felt about the segregation order was telegraphed in one of his instructions to Metcalf. He told him to remind the San Franciscans that the Japanese had sent more than $100,000 to the relief effort after the earthquake and fire six months earlier. That's almost $3 million in today's dollars. In his State of the Union speech in December, Roosevelt talked about the San Francisco order. He called shutting Japanese kids out of the public schools a wicked absurdity. We have as much to learn from Japan as Japan has to learn from us, he said, and no nation is fit to teach unless it is also willing to learn. Roosevelt issued a statement in January saying that the U.S. treaty with Japan guaranteed Japanese kids the same rights in public schools as anybody else had. 
But the problem with that was the Supreme Court's Plessy v. Ferguson decision a decade before. It said that separate facilities could be considered equal. In February, Roosevelt summoned Mayor Eugene Schmitz and San Francisco school officials to Washington, and they worked out a deal. San Francisco would reintegrate Japanese kids in the public schools, and Washington would open negotiations with Japan to limit immigration. That resulted in what was called the Gentleman's Agreement. Japan agreed to stop issuing new passports to laborers bound for the continental United States, but those who had already been here could come back. And family members of laborers already in the United States could still get passports too. Japan agreed to all that to avoid a total ban like the Chinese Exclusion Act. Forty years later, Roosevelt's comments about Japanese segregation in San Francisco were cited in a lawsuit in Orange County that ended the segregation of Mexican kids. Some of the information for this episode came from the Densho Encyclopedia. You can visit Densho, the Japanese-American Legacy Project, at Densho, that's D-E-N-S-H-O, densho.org. This has been Not Your Century, a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief. Get great journalism today at sfchronicle.com. I'm King Kaufman. Talk to me on Twitter at King underscore Kaufman. We now return you to your century.